This podcast is intended to provide general information about various recent developments in employment law and human resources best practices. Nothing in this presentation or in the comments of Ms. Johnson, Ms. Shannon, or any guest should be considered as the rendering of legal or other professional advice, and it is not directed at any specific cases or circumstances. Listeners are responsible for obtaining the necessary advice about their specific situations from their own counsel. These materials are intended for educational and informational purposes only. The presentation and these materials represent the opinions of the participants and not those of their law firms or companies. No part of these materials may be printed, photocopied, or otherwise reproduced, recorded, or stored, or transmitted in any form and by any means, electronic, mechanical, or otherwise, without the prior written permission of today's workplace podcast. Welcome to today's workplace, a podcast created to keep employers current on the latest employment law trends while providing proactive solutions to the everyday issues arising in today's rapidly changing workplace. Is your business prepared for today's workplace? Let's find out with your hosts, Barbara Johnson and Belinda Reed Shannon. Last week on today's workplace, we began looking at diversity, equity, and inclusion in a global business with Allison Nelson, Director of DEI Strategies and Program Planning at Ford Motor Company. Allison shared Ford's approach to DEI work over the years and how this mature company that employs thousands of people around the world aims to set standards and policy that result in real change. We continue that conversation today and look at Ford's workforce change in climate and culture, considerations when working with a large unionized workforce and sharing diversity metrics. Allison, you shared with us Ford Motor Company's response to some of the events last summer following the COVID pandemic and racial unrest. Let's shift the conversation to discuss the changes that took place in the workplace in the preceding months. Did the community of workers become more vocal? What changes did you see? Um, I know some people became more vocal and there was, you know, uh, but it also was one of the other things that Ford did and, and I participated in was reverse mentoring. So every officer had to be mentored by a Black employee um, and it was a six month commitment. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it really was to have these one-on-one candid conversations. So for example, the officer that I mentored, we had some very um, we had great conversation Um, and he was very open to learning. And so I gave him homework assignments. We'd come back and talk about them. So he watched, I am not your Negro. He watched conversations with a black man and and he was curious about things on his own. And not only was he doing it, but he and his wife were doing this together. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was also sharing with, you know, in his own social circle, wanted to be able to answer and address questions and I know that, um, you know, within the organization that he leads, that he has um, has been working to put a lot of measures in place. I know that he's one of the key people uh, that's focused on, we have uh, with our, one of our other ERGs is Women Afford. 
and they've been doing a lot of work on men as allies and, and he has raised his hand for that. So part of it was to educate, if you educated the officers, that um, that would help create a cultural shift in terms of how they interface, you know, with their black employees and what they could share to, you know, to uh, even with their team and with their leadership team and just gaining better insights and, and understanding. So um, I do think that, uh, you know, I find that I think people are talking about diversity, equity and inclusion more and talking about all three. Uh, because for so long in this space, the conversation was around diversity. And, and that was part of the issue because people could hit diversity numbers, uh, but there was not the equity and inclusion and belonging piece. And so you would have the revolving door uh, or people just didn't feel like they were being included and brought along. And now there is a lot more focus on the equity and inclusion piece wanting to make sure people feel like they belong. And those aren't, you know, quantitative things that you can measure and, and but they certainly are things that you can measure through the poll surveys and, and getting the feedback um, uh, from your employees and through your employee resource groups. So I think people are, I see, you know, our employee resource groups working a lot closer together when uh, things really um, spiked up with the um, Asian hate I saw um, the, our employee resource group rally around our um, Asian uh, community to uplift them, to encourage them. And, you know, there was an outpouring of support uh, with things that are going on in India. So with our, um, our, our resource group that includes our uh, Indian population, there was a lot of, um, you know, reaching out across the aisle um, with them as well. So seeing a lot more of that, that it's not just about my demographic, it is how can we uplift and support each other. So, um, and, and we were seeing that more and more, that people are joining hands and, and recognizing that, yes, I have may have been disenfranchised, but there are things going on in your community as well. So how can we join together to, you know, to support each other? Now, you've talked about some of the very interesting initiatives taking place in the U.S. Let's talk about um, some of the lessons that have been learned from implementing diversity and inclusion policies on a global perspective. Because as you mentioned a moment ago, what works in the U.S. with respect to diversity, for example, is almost meaningless in other countries. So talk to us about kind of the global perspective on DNI. Um, so, you know, there are some countries, uh, for example, Germany, um, I'll, I'll pick on Germany for a second, that is more challenging because I don't know if everyone appreciates that um, you can't get ethnic demographics right. uh, in some countries because of the privacy laws. Yes. And, um, and so, and even with the gender data, it really has to be uh, anonymized. And uh, so you, you, so some of the plans that we can put in place in the U.S. Uh, in terms of, of setting metrics and, and being aggressive, we know that we have employment laws so that you cannot make uh, hiring and promotion decisions based on uh, race or gender, but you certainly can set aspirational goals and things that you want to do based on opportunity that you know exists. 
but in some countries you you can't even you know really fully assess uh, that data and share that data. So it does create more of a challenge. And so a lot of it will be, I think, through um, you know asking employees to voluntarily share information. Um, I think we'll know a lot more when we do the our global audit and get mm -hmm. feedback um, from uh, from our global teams and and where uh, we need to to do more and how we can do more. But what but some of the programming that we may put in place here in the U.S., particularly around race, we may not be able to put in place, for example, in a place like Germany or some other places. And so it really will be creating um, DEI objectives that um, are unique to that particular location and, um, and how we can really advance it. We know, for example, we'll pick Asia, for example, we know um, that the that ultimately the real focal point there will be around gender and how we can advance things for women and, 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 and putting program in that really uplifts and create more opportunity for women to excel and advance in the workplace. And we've seen that happen um, in Asia. So it will be, some things will be unique. There are some you know global uh, things that we do. We just finished our global day of understanding to go, which is really, we focus a lot on bias um, and, uh, and, and just uh, uh, supporting and understanding um, and, and learning and listening, which is something that transcends, you know, borders, uh, because you need to understand bias regardless of where you are, and you need to learn how to understand and listen regardless of where you are. And so those things are universal. But in terms of what objectives we would have in place, um, there may, I expect there will be some nuances uh, based on those country laws um, in terms of what we can do. And also some countries, there's not a lot of race diversity that exists. And so we'll focus more on gender and maybe other, other demographics. That is how, <laughs> Um, uh, a global company uh, has to deal with, with DEI. Um, you have your overall position that you want to be by being uh, inclusive and, and have a place where everyone belongs um, and making sure that um, you know, we have leaders who uh, represent the community. But when we start getting into those country silos, uh, things may be different in terms of specific objectives uh, for those countries. Are, are there any special considerations um, when a company like yours has a large unionized workforce? Does that impact anything? Yeah, yes. Um, so we're also in the process of launching uh, a DEI audit with our hourly workforce, you know, because even in terms of, you know, the atmosphere within our manufacturing facilities and and the experiences from an hourly standpoint, it will be very different from the experience from, uh, from our salad workforce. Um, the career paths are very different in terms of how you advance and proceed. And so uh, the things that will be important uh, to them. And once again, you know, culture and manufacturing facilities, um, you know, I'm sure Barbara has some stories she could share um, through her, her practice and, and um, as, a, as an employment uh, practitioner that uh, it can be very challenging uh, for women. And, and I think also based on race, 
uh, once again, because those are their own little towns uh, when you're in that, that plant community. So we are gonna do an audit as well. So once again, because we really, we're trying to be very intentional about the actions that we take to address DEI, because yes, we have you know our, our, some general goals and objectives that we want to achieve, but we really want to be intentional in making sure that we're honing in on what matters most to our team and how we can really uplift our team and create this place of inclusion and belonging. And part of it is, is really understanding where uh, there's work to do because you can look and look at your policies and look at numbers and think everything is great uh, until you really start spending time talking to people. And, and once again, third-party auditor, this is not um, employees, board employees that are conducting these audits, which I also think helps with um, employees being more comfortable, being more transparent about their experiences and, and what, and what um, tools would be helpful uh, for them. So once again, that was very important that we had a third party that's leading the audits for us um, to allow for that um, candor and also to the extent that employees want anonymity, that they felt like they had that anonymity so that they could also uh, share, share their journey. So we will be getting feedback and coming up with some objectives as well um, to further DEI within our union workforce as well. And so we'll continue, and we work closely you know, with our union. And so it's not, you know, us just running off talking uh, to our hourly employees. We're doing it in conjunction with our union and making sure, uh, and they're very supportive um, of, of this pathway as well. Right. Now you touched on this a moment ago, but I want to take a deeper dive into this topic of diversity metrics. You know, historically, um, employment lawyers have been very um, risk adverse about sharing um, diversity metrics. What's your general approach to sharing data about your representation and other diversity metrics at this point? Uh, so Barbara, I, I have to laugh. Um, and having spent all this time as a lawyer for the company, I didn't uh, really do the employment stuff. And so I'm spending a lot of time with my uh, colleagues uh, that uh, lead our employment law. And, and you just touched it that, you know, it is a, um, this is really a, a change uh, for employment lawyers and for privacy lawyers to, to share data. And so we are on this journey together. You know, we have set um, aspirational goals uh, for a certain leadership rank uh, within the company, uh, which is uh, very different. And, and Barbara, you know better than I do. You know, this is something that we did in, in conjunction with, our, with our, our legal department. But our employees, you know, are asking for more transparency mm -hmm. uh, because that is also the way that you demonstrate to them that um, we're not just talking. These aren't just empty words. You know, we recognize where we are. Uh, and we know that there's opportunity to advance. And it's not just our employees. We know that investors are starting to, you know, they're honing in on what DEI objectives companies have. And they're looking to invest in companies that have robust DEI objectives and plans. And honestly, you know, uh, potential employees of millennials, you know, they're not interested in going to work at companies that don't have 
very clear and defined DEI objectives and goals. And so um, I think we're still um, teetering that line in terms of how much data we can share. And being a global company, it becomes even more complex because while we may be able to share some US data, uh, we're still challenged in being able to share some of our global data uh, because of the, and that's really driven by the, the privacy laws and not being able to, uh, because in, you know, in some companies, even our employee email address is considered um, PII. Mm. Um, and so, you know, even having to, um, uh, you know, back that out and, and not being able to, because you can, because you can go and reverse it and kind of figure out if you knew someone's uh, employee email address and you can look up their name and, and at least figure out their gender, maybe not their race and, and other um, demographic information, but you could backdoor in. And so in some countries, that is not permissible either. And so it really is, I will tell you that um, it helps that I have a legal background um, uh, to be on this journey. So I will say that is evolving. Uh, that is an ever evolving um, area, but I do appreciate you know, your comment that it is an area that employment lawyers have traditionally been very uncomfortable with. And I can tell you that um, the, the colleague from our legal department that I partner with, he is uh, learning uh, uh, to, to be very uncomfortable um, and we are starting to make progress in what, what we're sharing, um, at least internally, and to get to the point where we can share more externally. But it is certainly, once again, that's a journey as well. And uh, because of all of the, and I get it, because the way the employment laws are, it, it makes it very uh, difficult uh, to be able to share a lot, but it is a balance when you now want to be transparent uh, with your employees and with your investors. Yeah, I, I will say though, Allison, that um, you're handling it very well at Ford because even in, in light of everything that you said and the sensitivities that you acknowledge, uh, Ford still is one of the rare companies that puts out a very visible public annual report that actually has quite a bit of information. So I commend you uh, definitely on that because there are a lot of other um, companies that are trying to get to that point where they can comfortably do that. So that's that's very powerful. Um, one thing I didn't want you to get away uh, from us without uh, speaking to is the whole um, topic of leadership, the role of leadership. And with a co company as large as Ford, how do you go about ensuring leaders are doing their part to understand and support um, diversity initiatives? How do you educate them? What expectations are in place? You spoke about a few um, um, measurements being in place, but uh, how are they otherwise held accountable for driving results? Um, yeah, so I, yeah, I did mention that. So this year, all of the officers have uh, DEI objectives, and you know, it's it, and it's both qualitative and quantitative uh, measures. And so there will be feedback through um, belonging surveys and uh, to to get the feedback from their teams. And so with the officers being held accountable, the expectation is, is that they will hold their leaders accountable um, and that they are putting uh, in place within their organization uh, policies and programs that will advance DEI for their team that as they are 
um, looking at uh, promotions and as they're looking at new hires, that they are making sure that they are considering a, a diverse slate of candidates, more, more diverse than, than maybe they have. Um, I will, uh, uh, as a side note, Ford it was one of uh, the companies that piloted the Mansfield rule uh, the diversity lab for corporate law departments last year and is still on that journey. And one of the um, things within the Mansfield rule is, is that you have to ensure that a certain percentage of the candidates that you consider um, are women, people of color, um, LGBTQ, um, people that are differently abled. And you're looking at all these categories with the expectation that if you have a broader uh, population of um, diverse candidates that you're considering, then that will increase the, the, the opportunities for uh, a more diverse hiring. Because so if you're making sure that you're considering diverse candidates, uh, doesn't mean that that person will get those people will get hired because once again, you should be hiring the, the best candidate, but you have to shift away from not considering them at all. Mm-hmm. And so with some of the uh, aspirational goals and, and it's at, at a higher level level in the company because we're really trying to make sure that we're increasing the diversity landscape of our leadership. Um, but we also know that there are things that are happening um, within the company pipeline uh, as well. There are a number of initiatives that are going on to make sure not only are we hiring um, talent, but we're also retaining talent. And, and you know, because while I stayed a long time, you know, there are other people, especially newer in their career, you know, they look around and they don't see someone that looks like them, they're going to leave and they're going to go someplace else because they will per- perceive that this, uh, there's no real opportunity here for me. And so we recognize that we have to change that landscape. Um, and, and like I say, making sure we're considering the, the most diverse. So the objectives um, as well as aspirational goals and our talent team is really working as well. Um, to their, their, and they're a separate organization, but they're looking uh, closely at, um, you know, how they're hiring the onboarding process, uh, as well as um, there will be training that they are working on to launch that will require um, leaders to go through uh, bias training um, as part of promotion and um, so that they are uh, getting their being certified in this space um, so that it will prepare them to be a much better manager um, and, and be more inclusive. And, and obviously the work that our race and equity leader is doing to really focus on the language that we're using um, to really just change and try to shift mindsets. And so we are working at multiple avenues to, to try to, to shift that mindset, shift the behavior, uh, constantly you know, reminding our leaders that it's not just about the numbers, that it is about behaviors, about the atmosphere that they have within their organizations and then continue to get feedback and continue to adjust. And so, you know, what we do today, you know, six months from now, we may see we need to make some additional shifts because it um, either we need to do more or we've accomplished, but we can't just rest and say, aha, we reached that goal. It's like, okay, well now we need to reevaluate and see what we can do 
um, mm -hmm. just to keep moving things forward. So uh, like I said, our leaders are focused on it. I know our board is focused on it. These are issues that are really important. And it's just, but we're constantly conveying that message every opportunity that we get um, so that maybe some of the middle managers that aren't always in the room are hearing that this is, you know, what, what we're doing. But there are, you know, the um, DEI reports looking at numbers and, and that, that our leadership continues to look at, but not once again being driven by numbers, um, but, uh, but, but also being driven by other things. But obviously numbers matter in this space as well, because we can't do this work with also understanding what our numbers are and, and, and coming up with some concrete um, but uh, ways to, to try to advance and change the landscape. So there's just a lot of moving parts but I think the most important thing is that we're moving, uh, moving in a forward direction and not a, a rearward direction to really advance it. Um, and, and like I say, but also recognizing that we have to bring along um, the, the male majority as well, because we won't be able to do this without them um, mm -hmm. as well. And they are an important part of this and, and making sure that they don't feel like this is something being taken away from them. And, and it's just really thinking about, you know, affirmative action was a thing. And I know in Michigan, that was one of the challenges to the ban is, is that it was given unfair opportunities to people, whether it was admissions to college or job opportunities. And so we know just from that experience that some people feel that way. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's important to constantly talk, to constantly share and to make sure that people understand what we're trying to accomplish. This is about equity. Right, exactly. What are some of the biggest challenges you see arising now that social justice and equity have been added to the must-to-do list for um, must-do list for companies serious about improving their approach and results from DEI and D initiatives in their organizations? You know, it's interesting because, especially on the social justice piece, you know, it is as um, companies are not only becoming, but I think there's an expectation that throughout of uh, 2020, that companies are expected to, you know, take a stance and, and, and speak up uh, on social justice issues. And they're looking to CEOs and, and, and companies to, to lead in this pathway, whereas in the past, it was more grassroots. And, um, and we relied heavily on those grassroots uh, uh, situations, but we see things that are happening in other states around voting rights and, and people wanting to boycott um, and complain uh, if companies have not spoken up. But it really is, I don't, people appreciate that you know, speaking out on voting rights is not something that corporate America has um, traditionally done. It's not an area that they would normally, Elaine, that they would have swam in before. And so I think there's been a real change uh, as a result of uh, 2020, what the expectations that companies are, uh, will have uh, positions about social justice um, and advancing in uh, uh, creating equality and equity, not just within their workplace, but within the communities. 
Well, Allison, um, we always like to um, end a fabulous conversation with a last word from our guest. And, and for our last word, we just want to ask you, what do you think are three of the most important priorities, larger, more mature global organizations need to focus on in building and sustaining an effective DEIMB strategy? What's your list? Uh, first is understanding your culture um, so that you can come up with concrete action items to address that, to make sure you know, employees feel included and that they have a place to belong um, and not just assume that people uh, feel like they belong. I think that was one of the surprising things that I think leaders found out, particularly uh, talking to diverse employees last year, how many of us didn't feel like we belong. Uh, so uh, cultural awareness and transparency, you know, employees, you know, want to know, you know, what the issues are and what you're going to do about them. And then they want to know how you're advancing. So you said you're going to do um, A, B, C, and D, you know, six months from now or 12 months from now, they want to know, okay, well, where are we? Are we moving forward? Um, because it's really about building that trust. Now uh, you want to create that space, but you also have to bring that trust. And then I think the third uh, thing is, is that I think the equity piece is, is huge and people really understanding what equity means because you have to create opportunity and make sure that um, those who haven't been considered and the data shows that, uh, that they are given those opportunities, but also communicating it in a way that um, as I talked about the male majority that they don't feel like they're left out that there's no longer a place for them is just really, uh, I think educating people what is meant by equity. Equity is providing people with the tools that they need to achieve in advance. It's not about giving someone a handout. It is about, uh, you know, it's not some welfare system and I'm not trying to be derogatory toward, yeah. toward a welfare system, but I think sometimes people when they think of of DEI, they think back and the way they thought about affirmative action, they really thought it was kind of this welfare system that you're gonna hand this thing out to someone and it has nothing to do with their skill set, but recognizing that, you know, people that there are people of color and women and other demographics that are extremely qualified, um, but they just weren't given the opportunity to have that seat at the table and we're gonna try to create equity to make sure that there is uh, more of a balance so that there's mm -hmm. a better reflection of the communities in which we live. So uh, understanding your culture, transparency, and equity, I think are the, the big three for me. Wonderful. Well, Allison, we'd like to thank you so much for providing us with this valuable insight about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging in a large global setting. We really wish you the very best in all you are doing to help Ford Motor Company in this journey. Thank you for being here today. Thank Thanks, you. Allison. My pleasure. You've been listening to Today's Workplace with Barbara Johnson and Belinda Reed Shannon. If you like what you heard, click subscribe so you don't miss out on future updates and episodes. For more information about today's episode, check out todaysworkplace.com. That's T-O-D-A-Y-S-W-O-R-K-P-L-A-C-E dot com.